that the world through Jesus might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed into the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world. And people love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest their deeds should be reproved. We're going to be talking about that light today. But the one that doeth truth cometh to the light, that their deeds might be made manifest, that they, they are wrought in God. And the Son hath everlasting light. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth on them. In this was manifested the love of God towards us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Jesus, here in his love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we might also to love one another. We love him because he first loved us. Thank you. You may be seated. Scripture reading according to John chapter 3 and 1 John chapter 4. Let us silently pray. Father, this morning we continue to pray for the Jodell Chiki family and the John Smith family and and the Bounty family and those who have experienced death and loss of life this past week. We thank you, Father, for the privilege to have Sunday school here and Ira leading it from 8.45 to 9.45 in our worship service. We pray that we would get back to normalcy soon. We pray that we would give this service over to you now, Lord, as we come in the spirit of adoration and confession and thanksgiving as you taught us all the praise in the other. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And Mike, would you come and share scripture and what the Lord has laid on your heart? And I'm wondering um, this morning, Boone, um, you did such a wonderful job last week. Would you be um, prompted by the Spirit to share responsibly the Good Shepherd in the number 633? And you can be on deck and maybe you can come. And, and I know that. Mike and you are close, and you can probably uh, sit in the chair while Mike's gearing up. You feel comfortable? Please.
because the wickedness is multiplied, most men's love will grow cold. This is said by Jesus in his description to the disciples when they asked him, hey Lord, what are the conditions, what are the conditions you realize when you return? We must keep in mind that Christian rapper has already taken place. And there is one, at least one big major reason why people fall to school. This effect of growing cold will be multiplied on the soul left behind without the spirit. We are already well into tribulation. And the arrival on the words of false prophets have already been spoken. And also undergone already is the heavy persecution, persecution, not persecution. Persecution on those that call themselves Christians. Name only. After the rapture, the rapture and the suffering that they endure, they'll begun to turn their hearts cold and distant against God. And he becomes less loving. Because they're separating separating from God, that means they're not as loving. It's pretty clear. There was a man of the hill country in Ephraim, whose name was Micah. And he said to his mother, The eleven hundred beasts of silver which I have taken or stolen from you, about which you uttered a curse, and also spoken in my ears, Behold, the silver is with me, and I took it.
the money to his mother. His mother took 200 pieces of silver and gave it to the silversmith, who made it into a graven image and a molten image. And it was in the house of Micah. And the man Micah had a shrine, and he made an ephod and a terrapin, and installed one of his sons, who became his priest. In those days there was no king of Israel. Every man did what's right in their own eyes. My initial note on this passage is when this chapter, this particular chapter of Judges was written, the Hebrew nation lacked leadership. And it was basically disorganized chaos. Micah and his mother were honest in their attempt to honor God and to serve God. But their face contamination by the chaos is really shown during her reaction to Micah when he admitted the theft to her. And she returned somewhere to him. She had earlier pronounced a curse on the thief that had stolen money. She didn't know that it was her son Micah. But now that Micah had returned it to her, she announced a misguided and corrupt blessing. The face contamination is shown in verse 3. She gave 200 pieces of her back of stolen money back to Micah for the production of graven, graven images and, and idols. More than likely, this was an attempt to avoid taking the church to Shiloh to worship God. He was one way away, and she didn't want to. Both the graven and the molten images result, resulting from her misguided gratitude to Micah are shown in verses 4 and 5. In verse 5, we read that Micah had an ephod, made an ephod, and a terrapin. Furthermore, he installed his own son as priest in the temple to worship. I didn't know what an ephod is. What's an ephod? Well, I'll look it up. It's a sacred vest that a priest wears in his temple for worship. And the teraphim is an idol or image revered by the ancient Hebrews for pagan worship to household, not the God, but to household God. In verse 6, once again we read that because there is no leadership or king in Israel, Law and order went down the hill with lack of leadership. And each man did as he wanted. Second last chapter of verses, second Thessalonians, Thessalonians chapter two, verses nine through twelve.
need a lot of Second Thessalonians chapter two, verses nine and
verse 11. Do not stay here pretend that God tricks these people, those are condemned, into being damned. He does not. The disturbance they follow really is. God didn't trick these people into not believing in Christ. What he did was pull back all of, the, all of his influence on their lives and minds. He doesn't make them believe in Christ in the he simply pulled back this revenge of man that emanated from him. And normally, like us and other Christians, it prevents us from worshiping and referring to Satan. He pulled everything back. He leaves them like they left him when they believe the lies of anger and lying here over the world. First of all, explains the section. The reason to believe in him. And the absence of pleasure and comfort in doing things that oppose him. And ignore and dismiss his saving grace and love. And love for our They took pleasure and satisfaction in fulfillment in their own ungodly. Yet they become life, and they shall never perish. 
thus ends the reading of John chapter 10. And thank you, Boone, and thank you, Mike. Be ready for next week. <laughs> Shall we stand for a word of prayer, please? Father, we stand on your promises, and we thank you, O Lord, that you're the mighty God, our comfort and our strength. And we've been navigating through this pandemic with anxiety and isolation. We have lived in a fear of disease and death and not having enough, yet we are here. We are offering our gifts of our time, our, our prayers, our reading of scripture, to the work of your kingdom. We pray that they may permeate our minds, our bodies, our souls, and spirits, reminding ourselves of the glory about to be revealed to us. Remind us that we are your children, that we are yours, heirs of kingdom. Remind us that your plan is not bondage or decay, but a love, a love that will save us and free us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. It's a great privilege and honor to bring God's word to you each and every week. I've been doing this almost close to 50 years, and just since like yesterday, this is kind of a monumental day. How many remember this, this holiday today? 45 years. That's 16,425 days. Sounds like it. <laughs> Amen. Thank you. Those by way of television and those by way of radio, um, our scripture kind of reminds us of the fact that that sometimes we sandwich dates back to the time when we discovered we could um, not live by bread alone. And it kind of reminds me of um, Lena. Little Lena met a lady at church, a church bazaar and was quite um, uh, impressed by this um, diamond ring. And as Lena was admiring this diamond ring, the, the lady remarked that the diamond was known as the Anderson, the Anderson diamond. Now, some of you deal with diamonds in that. It, the, the Anderson diamond, that large diamond, came with a curse. Ufta, Ufta, said Lena. What is a curse? The, the lady replied, it's Master Anderson. Lena says, Holy is, is the greatest proof of reincarnation. No one can get that stupid just in one lifetime. I wonder about those Lena jokes at times. There's a um, comment that I oftentimes make about about how you and I we should, we should stay young and how we should stay married. That we need to keep around our cheerful friends the body of Christ. We need to truly enjoy the simple things. Our scripture talks about um, judges and Sometimes we seek out our own judges. I've been blessed to serve congregations that have um, had members of the congregations, Judge Kennedy and 
Staples, the Kennedy family, and in the um, Deer River family, it was the um, Paul Shaw, Shaw family, and then the Todd County area was um, the county, county judge um, Gaylord Satry. And I know that the judge, Judge Rasmussen now, and periodically we cross paths and we, we talk. And there's a Judge Benson that I talked to just here a few months ago, and, and I said, um, do you seek the, the wisdom of Solomon? And he knew right away what I was talking about, you know, the passage of scripture where God was had spoken to his followers and the division of a baby, and then and, uh, Solomon was wise enough to realize that the real mother would step forward and say, no, don't slice the baby in two. Give the baby to um, the other lady. Well, you and I, we live in a kind of a midst of darkness and dark times. Um, and I don't like to dwell on darkness. I don't like to dwell on the negatives, but it seems like we cannot listen to our radios or our television for just a few seconds without um, being very stunned, very disheartened, very horrified, and very angered, and almost made to fear that we're, we're war, we're war weary. And I've been trying to keep track of these times, and I, specifically in the United Methodist Church for the last 50 years, when I was much, much younger, I went as a lead delegate, to kind of a youth lead delegate at the end of the conference. I could see kind of the writing on the walls of the United Methodist Church in the direction that they were going in, and more so when I went to seminary. And I, some of the professors were dealing with higher criticism. It was a German theologian, um, Niebuhr and Barth, that kind of developed that higher criticism that kind of looked beyond the scriptures, tradition, and reason, and experience. And another, Joseph Fletcher, that developed situational ethics, and they were all like PhDs, and little did I realize that PhD doesn't necessarily mean that the educated are, are the learned in the Bibles. And I became um, familiar with what I call the psychological crisis fatigue that's affecting the church. That crisis fatigue comes occurs when we get so overwhelmed with unrelenting pressures, images, dilemmas, heartaches. And I believe that describes the state of affairs since early March, early March of 2020. And I think you and you and I can agree that this year is not for the faint-hearted and, and we've really only been almost through half the year. Who could have ever imagined that once we made it past the New Year, Christmas and New Year's Eve, and all the facts and situations that would occur, it seemed that what you and I grew up in as Minnesota nice becomes ground zero for this disheartening, chaotic crisis. I, I've also shared frequently how the scriptures utter this lawlessness um, 
and anarchy that's visited our hometown of Minneapolis right after Memorial Day this past year. There's been so many events that have occurred since Memorial Day, it just seems almost impossible that they could have occurred. Just since Memorial Day, my mind, I don't know if it's the radiation therapy or the age or there's so much that's gone on. How many businesses? 1,500 businesses. Can you say it with me? 1,500 businesses. And other buildings were burned to the ground. They were looted. They were seriously damaged in some way or another. And I found myself kind of on a ground zero. That's a military term for, um, for it was almost like a summer. It's been a summer of insanity. It seemed like you and I, we, we seen humankind at its worst, although I certainly feel safer in the suburbs. But no one should get too comfortable since there's this war on law and order. And it, it seemed like I've seen the, the profession of law enforcement plummet in criticism, police stood helplessly by, paralyzed by fear and almost a lack of leadership. Our fire departments were equally helpless and hundreds of infernos raged, and I couldn't imagine. It seemed like we were back in Saudi. The fires, law enforcement professionals are leaving their jobs by the thousands. We spoke into the officers in the Aussie and Brooklyn Park area. They're leaving their posts on Saturday. Just yesterday I was out in the parking lot trying to get some of the debris so we could drive through the parking lot and I talked with a Robinsdale officer and he said he, um, he thought it was the move from Lama Lakes Robinsdale. But he realized it was a lifetime. It seemed like he said that moving from Lama Lakes would seem to be a peaceful community to uh, almost the closeness of the Minneapolis area, Robinsdale, and the calls that he was getting. And it seemed like the crisis, and this crisis fatigue that our society is experiencing, was made worse when, when anarchists were called peaceful peaceful protesters, even though their actions caused parts of Minneapolis and St. Paul to resemble people in Syria, Saudi, Desert Storm, Desert Shield. Yet it was sparked by a reckless, reckless police officer who bungled the arrest of George Floyd, who really did not in any way deserve to die to such a, in such a heroic and a horrific, horrific manner, and how are thousands of good businessmen, many of them, um, many of them were of those 1,500 businesses, and I think Boone, you attested as, as you go to work, you got to go through that, that zone of destruction. These minorities didn't deserve to lose their, their lifetimes of work. And in furthering the disaster, 
I could not possibly imagine that the city council of Minneapolis has further disaster by succumbing to what I believe the scripture describes as, as delusion. Delusion. They voted unanimously to disband the Minneapolis Police Department. Does that seem to make sense? What a wise conclusion to the chaos. And you set the stage for even a worse meltdown of law and order. According to John, Judges chapter 17, 6, it seems like the scripture says, surely we are living or reliving the days of Judges. Judges when everyone, everyone did what was right and judgmental in their own eyes. A lack of law and order, it was lawlessness and unrighteousness. But the, the delusion even gets, gets even worse. The ultimate goal, it seems like, is to try what Europe is doing. It's almost like a Islamic patrols. And this Shiara law, the Islamic patrol officers would replace traditional police officers. And can you imagine the outcome? I like to think of that Minneapolis pajama boy, liberal mayor Fry Fry has, has said, he says, enough is enough. He's sworn to keep our police department. But can he push back the extreme leftists, moms, who it seems like wants to almost bring back the days of Al Capone? What we have in Minnesota, I believe, is the, the Red-Green Alliance. For those of you who are historians, you realize that red has always been a symbol of relationship to um, communism. Green has been a, re a resemblance to Islam. And it seems that what Minnesota is that this red-green alliance or this horrific convergence of communism and Islamism, few states had this combination of almost stealth fighters and attackers. And in the meantime, I can't imagine it. It seems like in the meantime, some of our leftists, our leftists cronies or loonies, want to replace the Star Spangled Banner with John Lennon's Imagine. You remember Imagine? It's a song that celebrated communism at its roots. It calls for this glorious era of no heaven, no hell, and this globalistic paradise. But, but the lunacy doesn't stop there. It's more crushing of the spirit and this invisible, this invisible enemy that we deal with. We've watched the, the economic implosion of America thanks to a global health crisis sparked by the Chinese at the end of 2019. In the spirit of the average American has, was crushed starting in mid-March as it became very apparent that businesses, businesses owned by three generation families could fail doing, during, due to unforced closings. And then suddenly, 
suddenly two unknown health professionals, Dr. Anthony Fucci and Dr. Deborah Burke, forcibly turned our lives upside down in March. And the, but the saga, saga was far from over. It seemed like we were welcomed into the world of the coronavirus. And we suddenly became fearful of a new invisible enemy. And, and they, they filled our minds with both truth, both truth, and vacillating false information. And the media began to swallow every word and hailed them as heroes and, and, and exaggerated the nightly press briefings information convincing many that this was akin to the Black Plague or the Middle Ages. And it seemed like we were welcomed into the new world order. Many, many succumbed to the delusional spell of the Microsoft founder, Bill Gates, who announced that he had a plan. He had a plan to vaccinate every person in the world. And suddenly the Christian world felt that we were in Revelation 13 time. It seemed that the globalists had found the crisis they wouldn't let go of to waste. And all of this happened just in a few short months. We, you and I, we've, we've witnessed and we've watched this societal obsession with new terms, new terms that we, we never heard of before. Many, many of us became fixated with the term social, social distancing. And if we listened to the supposed smart people, we just had to shut down our economy, shut down our economy and shut down our churches. And the churches, it seemed like, were not only unessential, but they were a real nuisance. They may often, they might offer real hope as in, in a time of despair and, and isolation. And I feel probably nothing compared to Micah, the book of Judges, when the people were saying, we want to be the judges of ourselves. When people were left to the discernment of themselves. It seemed like there was no scripture, no tradition, reason, or experience among the people. Is the Mad Hatter, the Mad Hatter in charge? So folks had to find comfort and counsel almost online rather than in a church setting. We, we couldn't be built up in our faith and we couldn't meet with fellow believers for many months. And there are many churches that don't plan on opening even this fall. And we struggle with education and schooling. Yet it seemed like um, the demonstrators and the rioters from sea to shining sea could tear down our cities and could tear down our monuments with no restraints, no social distancing. And if, and if, if their cause was seriously anti-American, it seemed like they were almost actually celebrated. I've got, again, what, what university in universe are we in? Are the men? Adders in charge. People I know, people I know could not visit loved ones in assisted living or nursing homes. 
I have not visited my mother for six months. We were able to um, talk outside her screen window, but we could not touch. I've had numerous funerals where loved ones were not allowed to go into hospital rooms. Some facilities allowed after they died, and then they had to be fully bound up. And some of those folks died all alone, but it seems like rioters, rioters had the right to loot, to burn, to destroy unhindered until things got to a point of almost desperation. Such delusion, such delusion as scriptures talk about. Not only delusion, but strong delusion. The Bible speaks about that lawlessness that's coming, and it seems like we can't possibly imagine it could get any worse. The Bible predicts a coming lawless time, the worst of all will be during the tribulation when the man of lawlessness, the Antichrist, will be reigning. Let me read again from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 9 through 12. That the coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan. With all power and signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing, because they refuse. They refuse to love the truth and so to be saved. Therefore God sends them a strong, strong delusion, so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had more pleasure in unrighteousness. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 9-12. Note that the activity of Satan, and note, notice that the activity is of Satan, but that the strong delusion is sent by who? By God. I can't help but think that such is the case playing out now in America and other parts of the world as, as well. Of course it will go out of control during the tribulation, we're told, from which the church, the church is to be absent. But how about in closing today, how about some good news? It's not all despair. A number of folks, most of them, I, I feel our unbelievers, unbelievers, have asked me how I think this will all end. Unbelievers. And like me, they're wary of the nightly scenes of pandemonium and the daily dose of talk about two or three of strands of a new coronavirus. They seem not to be able to take it much longer. And what an open door we have to share the ultimate good news of Jesus Christ and the hope that we have. I always tell these folks that I have this world worldview, and tell these folks that I have a biblical worldview, and this will all end with what is called the rapture of the church, the blessed hope. Christians will be taken out. And I explain that the church is not a building but a group of people who love God and love His Son, Jesus Christ. The Bible promises to remove the church prior to the terrors of the tribulation. 
It's also called the time of Jacob's trouble. Jacob is in the church, but the tribulation is for the salvation of the Jewish nation and the followers of Jesus Christ. Did these folks jump enthusiastically? You know, I because our times have so changed since early 2020, I, almost everyone is breathless and almost everyone is, is saying, it seems like the same thing. They, they never thought they would see the things happen like they are happening today. Whoever thought that an invisible enemy, a virus no less, could turn the world so upside down, then add the racial strife to the stew and could have possibly imagined what would follow. Now, you know, let's just consider a few of these issues. I never thought. Not was I could keep my, my kids in my neighborhood, in my church, posted on prophetic events. So that they're the first to know rather than the last to know. But I could have never imagined prisoners would be let out of jail at the very same time Christians were being kept out of our churches. It, it, it would be so obvious why America is not a prominent player in biblical prophecy. Something has almost to happen to the United States to neutralize us, or a series of events would happen and to weaken us as a superpower. You know, it seemed like people that I admired and trusted told me they were going to report they were going to report good people to authorities who weren't keeping the letter of the law, such as proper social distancing and the wearing of proper masks. Neighbors, neighbors reporting neighbors. Has our love grown cold? The coronavirus would do, it seemed like it did us a favor. It did us a favor. It seems that the drag Queen story hour has been put out of business for a season. And I mentioned earlier there would be talk of replacing our national anthem, the star-spangled banner with John Lennon's Imagine. Lennon's song celebrates communism. What's happened to our country? The one institution pushing back on despair is the church would be declared a non-essential. You and I are declared a non-essential. But not, but not marijuana shops or some abortion clinics. You know, it would be so blatantly obvious that we are in the absolute last of the last days. In fact, that the last hour, but our pulpit still insists on being quiet. Our pulpit's quiet about this. For first time, many people truly want to understand the times and, and how the Bible applies to them. In just a matter of weeks, people accepted surveillance in the name of health, health, health safety and security, and no one questions drones anymore or cameras and apps watching our every move. And some cities are asking churches. Some cities are asking churches to keep logs of every person who, who enters their building. 
so they can then be tracked and they can be traced. Father, this morning, as every head is bowed and every eye closed, we, we are called to be discerners of the times we live in. We feel that our culture is moved away from scripture and tradition and reason and experience. We need discernment. We need your Holy Spirit. We're to be the head and not the tail. We're to be those who properly discern the times. John Wesley, the father of Methodism, said that his followers always kept their Bibles in one hand and their, their newspapers in the others, and they were discerners of what was going on. We do pray for our legal system. We do pray for our laws, enforcement. Black lives matter. All lives matter. And as our bill bulletin said this morning, the picture was the B-I-B-L-A, that's the book for me. Jesus loves us, red and yellow, black and white, we are precious in God's sight. With every head bowed and every eye closed, and those by way of television and radio. Would you say this prayer? Dear Jesus, help me, O oh Lord, to have the mind of Christ. To use that discernment of the Holy Spirit. Forgive my sins. Come to my heart and life. Help me not to be led by the flesh, but by the Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me for the reading of the offertory prayer and the doxology that follows immediately. God of love and mercy, we give you thanks that the compassion of Christ was challenged to move beyond the people of one community. May it be a reminder to us, his disciples, to follow this example in our living and our giving. Help us see beyond our walls, beyond our communities, and across the divides of nation, race and creed and to be generous as we share our blessings that we have their source of you. God of us all, we pray in the name of our rock and redeemer. In Christ we pray. Amen. Join me now in the dots holiday.
I have an announcement to make. I want to do a shout out to the three angels that helped us during the storm with all the branches and brush, whoever they are, we, we thank you. I did, I guess, talk to one of them I invited in the church. I wanted to make a presentation to them. They might have thought I had ulterior motives if I came to church. I'm thinking that maybe they were in church, but you know those angels step forward and they, they move some branches that were a little bit kind of too heavy for me to move and I think they ganged up on some of our parking lot branches and they drug them to the, the curbside. So uh, if we see them again, there were three of them. Weren't they two boys and then? Two teenage boys and a, and a female. Okay. And I didn't get their names. Any other announcements? Any other? Thank you all, and may the Lord continue to bless you and keep you. Make His face to shine upon you and be gracious and merciful unto you. Thanks, Lord. Thanks, Mike. Thank you all. Thanks, Lars. Next week, we're going to be treated with a special number by Lee. Now, Gary and Lee were going to practice this Sunday, but I think maybe Gary might have unexpectedly called out of town or something, and he left his wonderful older brother, Hayne, 